Episode 45. Greetings, and welcome into the Patuxent General. I am your creepy host, Jess, ready to talk about a Patuxentish Halloween. So buckle up, Buttercup. We've got an epic recipe, Halloween drinks, hidden ghost stories, and a special guest event House on the Corner series from a townie close to the general, the case of Sister No-Face. This one isn't for the faint of heart, but is the very spirit of our Halloween celebration. And when I say epic recipe, I mean pumpkin cheesecake, tall, creamy, and the most comforting part of Halloween. But first, we must thank our Patreon subscribers, because these frightening folk are the chocolate vampires, werewolves, mummies, ghouls, gas, ghosts, apple cider, candy, and the orange, black, and brown crepe paper tied into web shapes that is the Patuxent General, without whom we would merely be pumpkins. If you would like to become one of these fall festive, fantabulous folk, perhaps you like what you hear. Check out our page on Patreon.com or simply follow the scary link in the show notes. <laughs> Let's start with a pumpkin cheesecake. If you're going to have an epic Halloween celebration, and I hope you do, then you're going to need an epic dessert. I'm here to give you what you need. Pumpkin cheesecake. That's right. Tall, creamy, graham crackery, forkfuls of love. What's scarier than that? I got this recipe from a cookbook we have previously talked about, the Rhode Island Sampler, with recipes from Southern New England restaurants, which was copywritten in 1988 by the American Cancer Society. This particular recipe was submitted by a very well-known restaurant, Pot of Foo. My mom made it, and my little family of four ate it all. For this recipe, you will need quarter teaspoon vegetable oil, a quarter cup finely ground ginger snaps or graham cracker crumbs, one and a half pounds cream cheese at room temperature, three quarters of a cup sugar, five eggs at room temperature, one quarter cup all-purpose flour, one teaspoon cinnamon, one teaspoon ginger, and a half teaspoon cloves, one 15 ounce can of unsweetened pumpkin, or this would be a great time to take that pumpkin that we talked about in episode 44 out of your freezer, defrost it, and give it a real good blend. And then Bob's your uncle. No can taste. Don't forget the springform pan. Preheat your oven to 375 degrees. Coat the bottom and the sides of a 10-inch springform pan with oil. Pat cookie crumbs over the bottom and lower half of the sides of the mold to form a thin crust. Then, wrap the outside of the pan in aluminum foil. In a large bowl, beat the cream cheese and sugar until smooth and fluffy, about 15 minutes. Beat in the eggs one at a time, scraping down the sides and bottom each time. This is very important. Put the pumpkin into a large bowl and sift the flour, cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, and cloves. Blend well. Stir the pumpkin mixture into the cream cheese mixture. Pour the combined filling into the prepared springform pan and place the pan in a large roasting pan filled with an inch of tepid water. Bake for 10 minutes. Then reduce the temperature to 325 degrees Fahrenheit and continue to bake for 45 minutes. When the top of the cake is set, 
Turn off the oven and let the cake sit in the oven for another 20 minutes with the door partially open. Then, remove the cake from the oven and let it cool in the pan on a rack. Cover and refrigerate for at least four hours, but preferably overnight. Serve it with whipped cream, and it says that it serves 16, but I still maintain that it's so good it's more like eight. So knock it out of the park this year and enjoy. Ooh, spooky cocktails. It doesn't matter if you go with an old-fashioned Bloody Mary or a glow-in-the-dark gin and tonic using tonic water and a blacklight or a purple people eater with blue curacao, grenadine, vodka, and lemonade. All are spooky and could be made into mocktail recipes. Anything mixed with Empress Gin is gorgeous and begs to be dressed up with marigold flowers for that seasonal feeling. For this season, I'm going full tilt with a Zombie King. This green, complex, but easy-to-make drink sounds and tastes much better than it looks. So the first time I saw it, I knew it was a winner. Thank Truffles on the Rocks for inspiration. For this drink, you will need one ounce vodka of your choice. Vanilla may be a good choice here. Some ice, of course. One ounce Cointreau. One ounce lemon juice. One ounce sweet vermouth. A quarter of an ounce vanilla syrup. One half teaspoon matcha tea powder. And a martini glass well chilled. Don't forget your shaker. I know that many times we have talked about making our own syrups, but let's just say that you don't have any vanilla syrup around the house, and you might have a stray rind of vanilla hanging around in your pantry. In that case, add that plus one cup of water and one cup of sugar to a small pot and simmer until clear. Then chill it to use in whatever you want, including this mean green Halloween cocktail, the Zombie King. Take your shaker and add all the liquids, vodka, Cointreau, lemon juice, sweet vermouth, and vanilla syrup. Then add the matcha powder and stir with a bar spoon for a few seconds before adding the ice and shaking for about 15 seconds or so. Pour into your chilled martini glass and enjoy while I tell you a little bit more about the White House on H Street. We weren't there very long. It was easy to get out of the lease when the house itself seemed to fall in on us. One night after changing our clothes from outside to indoor comfy clothes, we left the bedroom and shut the door, walked into the kitchen to start supper, and heard a deafening crash come from the room we had just left a few seconds before. We opened the door to see that the ceiling had fallen in on the bed where we had been sitting changing our shoes, and only there, not the floor around it, Just our bed was ruined, but that's not all. Shadows seemed to move in the corner of your eye at least once a night. Family photos showed strange faces in the windows behind us. The downstairs neighbor told us that the previous owners died in the building. None of this was reassuring, especially considering the Christmas fire as told in episode 44. By the end of January, I wanted out, desperately. One by one, everything failed in the house. The plumbing, the heat, the electricity. Maintenance men came and left every day, scratching their heads. Things they had fixed the day before, undone. I searched high and low for an apartment. Our happy little group bickering and startled every day. So when I walked my eldest back and forth to school, I would dream while walking through the neighborhood. Which house would I want to live in? If I could magically just choose, which one would it be? Somewhere safe, with a backyard for the kids to play. Somewhere not haunted with hot water. As I walked, I always came upon what I thought was the one. A house that looked like a ship on a dead-end street with a backyard covered with moss. So soft on little feet. 
It seemed perfect. However, that was a dream. And moving costs money, and I was cocktail waitressing at the time. One night, I overheard two of my co-workers arguing about an apartment that they were supposed to move into before they broke up. They had started fixing it up, but hadn't gotten very far before they decided to split. She said to me, when I asked where it was, because everyone knew that I was looking for a place, Oh yeah, by the way, it's very close to where you are now. I asked the address, and it was the ship house I had so admired. However... The landlord didn't trust my co-workers since they had left so abruptly. So when they went to him with my interest, he wasn't. To get this close when I knew that we belonged there vexed me. So I wrote a convincing letter to the landlord who agreed to let us move in. Everything I organized to move fell through. Friends had strange episodes that deterred them from helping. The movers I hired fell through. Precious family pieces broke. I would not be stopped. I moved us by myself while my husband worked with a baby in the jerry pack and a red radio flyer wagon. Sideboards, dresses, toys, boxes, everything while the shadow watched from the baby's window. It still makes me shiver. But eventually, we moved into the ship house with hot water and electricity and we felt safe, or at least relieved, to be free of the White House of H Street. I have a blazing hot news flash about an amazing local event that you'll want to attend taking place with my friends and neighbors at Emerald Frog Reiki and More in Cranston. The event is the first annual Spooky Soiree. You can come on in and take part in lots of great activities. They will be hosting readings, chair massages, Reiki, shamanistic energy healing, spiritual counseling, and light language intuitive alignment technique. There will also be tons of tasty snacks and ghoulish goodie bags to have as a treat. Be sure to save the date, Friday, October 28th, 2022, at 6 p.m., and pay a visit to the new Emerald Frog Reiki and More location, situated conveniently at 1844 Broad Street in Cranston, Rhode Island, 02905. Emerald Frog Reiki and More is an alternative health and holistic service, helping the Edgewood and Patuxet communities. Come enjoy an evening of fun, friends, and food this spooky season. I want to tell you about my friend Mike and his electromagnetic pinball museum and restoration arcade. It's an all-inclusive place to relax and share anything related to modern pinball, EM pinball, and arcade games. A group of pinball and arcade fans with an addiction to games of all kinds and Lego too. $10 gets you free play on pinball and arcade games all day. You can find them at 881 Main Street, Pawtucket, Rhode Island, or online at www.electromagneticpinballmuseum.com. The Case of Sister No-Face My ghost story does not take place in Patuxet Village, but it's a good ghost story, and I live in Patuxet Village now. When I was four years old, the little sister of the poor ran a retirement home in upstate New York. My mother worked there as a nurse, and in the 1970s, there was no daycare for kids whose parents worked night jobs. We Gen Xers got brought to work with mom and dad whenever grandma couldn't do it. I got brought to the retirement home in hospice weekly. I was very young, but the place seemed extra ancient to me. I remember a large and imposing Gothic brick exterior daring me to enter. The inside I remember as a cross between a house and a hospital. And I remember that it was full of nuns and suffering people. 
For the most part, I was allowed the run of the entire hospital. Mom was very busy taking care of patients, and I was surrounded by clergy, and there was a security guard who I spent most of my time with while my mom did her rounds. I can only remember his nickname, Chump. Sometimes, Mom would have to take me with her on her rounds, which was disturbing enough. Most of the patients were on their last legs and suffering badly, some of them loudly. Chump and I spent a good amount of time together for that reason. But it wasn't long before the adults stopped noticing that there was a baby nearby and got to talking like adults again. They'd let things slip like, I saw her again last night in the basement hallway. She showed up again. Scared the hell out of me. When I rounded the corner to catch up to her, she vanished. And... I'm not going in that basement anymore. Eventually, I asked my mom what was going on with Chump. My mother told me that he and several other staff, patients, and clergy had reported seeing a person who did not belong in the hospice, wandering the halls and checking in on the patients. The specter dressed in a black-and-white nun's habit and wore a long rosary around her neck. She moved slowly and never spoke. Chump saw her frequently in the basement, where he would try to confront her, only to turn a corner behind her to find an empty room. Nobody saw her face, mostly. Then, the patients complained about her, coming in and leaning over them menacingly. When asked for a description of the offender, they could not give one. No face. She had no face. So now, there was a name to go with the haunter. Sister No Face. You would think that this would terrify my little child mind, but I was fascinated by Sister No Face, and I went looking for her every chance I got. Chump would keep catching me and sending me back up to the main lobby, and I would keep on trucking down to the basement and up to the patient floors, looking to get a meeting with good old Sister No-Face. It became problematic, because I would walk into elderly people's rooms at night and ask, Have you seen Sister No-Face? I had no idea I was terrifying these elderly people, or why Chump made me stop visiting them. I, I get it now. As fate would have it, though, I went looking into the abyss long enough to find it. I was a child when I saw my first ghost up close. It was in the upstairs hallway by the patient rooms, where so many others had reported seeing her. A nun, but not like the other nuns. Her habit looked odd. It was a longer cut, with darker fabric, and the hem was much lower than the rest of the nuns wore. Her entire face was obscured by her head covering. Her rosary hung low to the ground. When I saw her, she looked like a human regular nun, about 100 feet from me. She was entering a patient's room, and I, in my ignorant naivete, stopped her. Hey, Sister No-Face, wanna play? And then she looked right at me, and I saw why people were so afraid. She had no face. There were dark shadows where eyes and nose and mouth should have been, but just shadows. There were no features to make out, almost as if her face had been blurred out. I stopped, and she stopped. Instead of entering the patient's room, she turned from me and walked briskly around the nearest corner. She had shoes that clicked on the tiled floors. I did not immediately run after her as shock was beginning to wear off, and I was starting to cry for Chump or my mom as predicted a peek around the corner revealed an empty hallway. I was comforted and admonished by the rescuing adults. I needed both and took them. It was a life lesson learned. Don't go looking for faceless nuns in old hospices unless you plan on finding them.
Thank you once again for joining us here at the PG. We hope you've had a spooky time. And if you have a ghost story, question, would like to book a pop-up general store to your event, or perhaps would like to advertise with us, our email is jess at patuxetgeneral.com. We can't wait to hear from you. We are going to take a little break, but we will meet you right back here in two weeks. Patreon subscribers need not worry, though. You will be receiving extra content in the form of recipes and photos that go with the episodes. So, happy Halloween. And I'll meet you right back here next time at the Patuxent General. A Something for Posterity production, pre-recorded in Patuxent.